And I have water now instead of whiskey. So we'll see how this goes. I don't yep. feel drunker, but we're going to find out. Welcome to X-Men Evolution. Leave that in. For the love of God, leave that in <laughs> right. as the start of the recording. <laughs> Welcome to X-Men Evolution, episode two of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men animated recap podcast. I'm Rod. I think I'm sober, which is the best kind of drunk. And I'm also a musician. You can look me up on all the socials and, and music stuff. And I'm JC. And I have a surprise for Rod because we talked about what are some of the bonus episodes we have coming up for this show. And they are Rod reading for the first time X-Men number one. Oh, nice. Oh, I yeah. found a reprint copy of it at my comic book store. So this is Rod. Sorry, I'm not buying you the original, but it is it is the original X Men number one, followed by the Jim Lee X Men number one. Oh, nice! So there will be a future episode that Rod is finding out about as we're speaking, where yeah, it's him awesome. reacting to those original X Men comics. And it's official. I see my name on the sticky note. Yeah, on the post-it <laughs> note, so you know it's legit. Wait, so am I reading these like while we're recording? No, God, no. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> That could be TikTok content. We don't want to ruin our entire podcast feed. Yeah, yeah. there you go. If, if I say anything inflammatory, then at least people can stitch it. Cyclops is waiting for me as our weekly podcast series. We're going back and watching every single X-Men animated episode that we could find, along with various other bonus episodes of X-Men people in non-X-Men cartoons. Our first series started with the original 1992 X-Men the Animated Series, which was building up to the release of X-Men 97, which was hopefully coming to Disney Plus later this year. We'll find out. But since it is not here yet, we needed to find some other stuff to fill the next at least six months of our lives. And there's plenty of stuff to, to fill it with. <laughs> yeah, Rod, Rod and I put a spreadsheet together of like, okay, how much left do we have? And there's a lot. <laughs> the only like kind of hope that I have is that we don't make it to the X-Men movies or no one cares what I have to really say about them. <laughs> So I'm not kind to those movies. <laughs> so those movies we're going to watch when drunk and in person. So that, Yeah, no, that's great. Only way that's going to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> and two Phoenix sagas. Yeah. Yo, I just had a conversation with my brother about this because my brother was like, I just rewatched the Phoenix, animated Phoenix saga. I was like, yeah, I told the showrunner and writer themselves to their, to, you know, personally that they did it like perfectly twice and some of the movies fucked it up twice <laughs> i think in real time that is the clip i have ready to go live tomorrow nice all right so by now you see how that went for me rod's tiktok is just decimated with angry comments and it's perfect it's great yeah. so some quick reminders we're a recap show about a series that started over 20 years ago which still blows my mind that in my mind this is a new show you're right. It's still two decades old. There will be spoilers. If you don't want to spoil for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, and come back. And we'll do our best to not spoil future episodes that haven't been covered yet, but we honestly just don't know what's happening anymore, especially now because this is the second of a two-batch episode thing we're recording, so we literally don't know what happens next. I think I should probably take that out of our run of show for future episodes <laughs> because it's kind of redundant <laughs> at this point because, to Rod's point, neither of us have ever watched Evolution, so... This isn't like the nostalgia of 92 where we're re-experiencing it. We're literally experiencing evolution for the first time. Yeah, because we were talking on the first episode that both of us were in college or at least late high school, early college for this. So like we just had other shit going on. Yep. And this was before it was like cool to be into like geek culture and watch stuff. 
and I think even just our age at the time, you know, like you're in that you know area where like, oh, cartoons are for babies, you know, <laughs> like yeah, stuff. Sadly, so, I don't know if it's that way anymore. Hopefully not. But I feel like there's so many cartoons out, and then like to to age this podcast. This is the week that Across the Spider Verse came out. Mm-hmm. There was nobody in that theater who was under the age of of seventeen. It was adults who were all yeah. loving the hell out of that movie. I think for the most part that animation stigma has gone away. So. Yeah, which also, if you haven't seen Across the Spider Verse, it is probably a perfect movie. Yeah, like, it is fucking so amazing. Good. I'm not even probably. It, I, I thought it was a perfect movie, but I think you will as well. Even if you don't know anything about Spider Man, which I don't know how you don't if you've been alive for more than three years, but it was so good. I can't even like communicate like how wild that. Did you hear it? That one scene where they're doing the chase across the Council of Spider-Man or whatever. whatever the Future called. City? Yeah. Yeah, that took like four years. And I it believe show, it. It shows. Yeah. Also, another cool fun fact that has nothing to do with X-Men, we're going to mention anyway. The, the Lego? Spoiler, I guess. Yeah, the Lego thing. Yes. The, the Lego scene was like animated by a 14-year-old YouTuber. Who had recreated the, one of the trailers or something yeah. like that, and that's why they let him do it. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you hear the interview with those guys? Where they, no, I didn't. So they said that they... They saw the they saw the trailer remake and they were like that's really cool and it was such so late in the production process they were like could we even do it and they asked the studio and the studio was like yeah sure if you can get it done so the kid did that whole thing while he was on spring break and then did revisions once he was back in school after finishing his homework good for him right I barely made it through school I can't even imagine like working on a like blockbuster hot, like <laughs> Marvel film <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Back to X-Men. We're currently not sponsored or affiliated with Marvel, Marvel Animation, Disney, or Disney Plus in any way. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you found this somehow, make sure to follow us on whatever podcast service is best for you. We're on all of them. And if you want to support the show, we do have affiliate links in all of our uploads now. We are going to make sure that list of affiliate stuff will also include stuff from X-Men Evolution. But we have a lot of really great stuff from X-Men 92, so I'm not going to remove any of that. Yeah, those books by the Lee Walds are, are gold. Now onto the show. Today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 2, titled The X-Impulse, which I, even after watching, I don't understand. But maybe maybe some enlightenment. Nope, no, I, okay. dude, okay. I, before we even get to the, the, the aired on date or the IMDb, I do not understand the titling for these episodes yet. I it, do not get it yet. If it's a pun, someone needs to explain it to me, or like a dad joke or something. I mean, I hate puns, so it's entirely possible, like, there's something I'm ignoring, but yeah. Yeah, because initially I read it as, like, the X-Pulse or something like that, or just, like, replacing, like, beginning sounds, but that doesn't make sense either. Anyway, it aired on November 11th, 2000, and currently sits at a 7.0 star rating on IMDb, so this is a little bit lower than the first episode. Only by, like, 0.1, though, wasn't it? It was 7.1 on the last one. But the last one we said was, like, kind of low for X-Men in general. Well, just, it it was average for cartoons at the time. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, like cartoons from that era, if you were not like the best thing on all TV, like a seven was a very good and respectable number. Yeah, yeah. And I think it also shows like some of the shows that were written for like kids would be lower ratings because adults are the ones who would go back and rate them on IMDb. And it's like, oh, that's true. You'd have yeah. to internet access once once exactly. unsupervised. So it, it feels ep- like a Buffy episode, you know. You know, that's so. I feel like I'm going to be missing a whole bunch of context from this show because I've heard a lot of Buffy references, or people say that there's a lot of Buffy references in this, and I never watched that show. Well, I, you're dead inside. You're right. <laughs> I caught little things like the, well, is it Angel that had a spinoff show? Angel had a spinoff show, and, yep. And stuff like that. And obviously, I know Sarah Michelle Geller and stuff, but I don't 
know enough about the actual lore of the show to know like, so it in this it's funny that you're you're we're mentioning like the spinoffs because charisma carpenter who was a character in angel and originated in buffy there was something that posted on instagram today that was quote-unquote confirmed I, don't, I didn't see the source on it but it was confirmed that the likeness of gene gray was inspired by charisma carpenter oh nice yeah there you go okay. do they owe people like stuff for that after the no. fact when they admit it because <laughs> we, we have a mutual friend claire max that it's been confirmed that there's animators that have are is animators are like a comics like illustrators, illustrators? That have like modeled their characters after her. I mean, I guess it's a matter of if it's inspired by or literally like a copy paste. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like if if they came out with a character whose name was Claire and had the pink hair and stuff, yeah. that might be a little harder to argue against. And could look like looks like she could snap you with her pinky finger. She she could crush you, Rod. Right. She can, it's a lot of people. It definitely, maybe <laughs> a lot of people. Like that, we we've been watching Claire in real time over the last what maybe four years or so, like just something like really, that. Yeah. Really, I mean, she's always been into fitness and stuff, but like, just really accelerated. It's insane. It's a really cool way. It, even if you didn't know it was her, go look up Claire Max on Instagram or Twitter, and you will have seen her picture in the geek sphere as being like she could be a barbarian in the next Dungeons and Dragons movie. So. Yeah, and wasn't there a character in Arcane that was like very similar? Like, I think a lot of people did it side by side. I don't watch that show or a game or whatever it is. I know that she cosplayed as that character. I, I don't oh, okay, know gotcha. what the connection was prior to that. But, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. All right. But X-Men. Anyway, yeah, this show. <laughs> first note here is uh, whatever the open, the, in this open, whatever the opening scene, this opening scene. The, the cold music, open. Yeah, the cold open. The music that they use, I'm not going to, I don't care enough about it to go actually double check, but it sounds like they either reuse music from the 92 animated series or this composer is like, we're going to get as close to that nostalgia as possible. This is so similar. Like, just so transition music. If, and I, I actually didn't look up who the studio was behind any of this. So I, I don't think there's a Saban connection on this one, which mm -hmm. probably, you know, reflective in the quality of the animation that's, that's being, why it, that's why the you know, having, good. <laughs> having budget. But there are no happy Saban kids at the end of the episode. Yes. So I doubt it was the same music from that series yeah it was just so similar but also that might have just been you know it's kind of like tropes and the time and stuff right yeah. i actually overall before we get into like what actually happens in this cold open i really liked this cold open it was dramatic and interesting aside from being even apart from being animated and stuff so like it opens up on like a house a residential house and inside the house they zoom in and i only knew it was kitty pride because of the description and the thumbnail I said it was her but kitty pride's like sleeping well, and we also did see in the previous episodes animated intro, we, they do call out that it's oh, Kitty, right. and you could see yeah, that yeah. you could see the face there. So, yeah. and she's she's asleep. I don't know if it's still a trope, but at the time it was a trope where like you fall asleep reading, and then the wind blows through the window, and like just the pages of the book on her bed flip I've through. Never fallen asleep with the window open like that. Right. So. I do only because I like I live on a hill and I like the air, but I don't sleep with books open. In my, you That's because be you don't fall asleep with books, right? It, it would be hilarious if this book was also Origin of Species, like Xavier used, signed it. by Charles Darwin, <laughs> right? But it kind of segues into this dream sequence she's having. This was one of my favorite parts because it takes something that we've all experienced and makes it much worse. She's like flying and then very quickly just starts falling, and I think that's something that I don't even say most people. I think everyone that's been alive. To some extent, had had that night. You have never fallen in your. Dream. I have never had the falling nightmare. Really, That's I've so had the. I have. I've had the 
in high school and can't remember my locker combination. I've had the like need to yell and nothing comes out. I've had the running and you're like in quicksand so you literally can't go faster. I've never had the falling nightmare, which I know is weird because it's yeah. such a common trope and like not even trope, but experience yeah. for people. I mean, that you're fortunate then because it is genuinely one of the most terrifying things, you know, because you don't have any control. I, I mean, I've literally had night terrors where you wake up and it's like the sleep paralysis demon yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I've never had the falling. So funny. Not that, you know, we need another tangent, you know, 13 minutes in. But welcome to this fucking <laughs> right. show, Rod. Yeah. yeah, you're you're in the second chapter of this show. So you know what you're in for. Yeah. Unless you just discovered us, then welcome. If you discovered us because of X-Men Evolution SEO, yeah. Yeah. you missed some shit. Yeah. So when I was in college, between my freshman and sophomore year, I was with a group of students that went to Connecticut for like a summer Gross. program thing. Yeah. Right. And. There was a few days, like maybe a week, a week, where we weren't in our residence yet. So we were just staying with families of people that were in our group of students. And so we, like all the guys would stay in one house and all the girls stayed in another house. And the guys, it was funny because this was still like, you know, early 2000s where it was still taboo to share rooms with other guys and stuff. I don't know, it was weird. Anyway, but they only had like three air mattresses and like eight guys. So right. we just all decided to like suck it up and like, we just pushed all the air mattresses together and eight of us just like you know you, you spread across them as it, evenly it's as like possible. fucking charlie and the chocolate factory with the grandparents basically Kinda, yeah except we didn't alternate we weren't smart like that okay but we were just all there and so the next morning i don't even know like one of the mornings the girls came over and they could see us through the window so they like knocked on the window and i wasn't awake yet so this is up until this point is just from what everybody else told me they knocked on the window and it startled the the guy that was sleeping right next to me so yeah he like jumped up and because we were on air mattresses when he landed back down on it it, it popped you up me up into the air yeah. i don't necessarily know how far but enough that i had that night terror where i was falling and then when i woke up i was actually falling good and and it was enough height that i was airborne and then impacted back down onto the air mattress and i wasn't hurt afterwards because it was an air mattress but i think part of me is like permanently scarred from having a night terror come true to a small extent. I was going to say, is this now <laughs> just like the most traumatic episode of the X-Men ever for you? Right. As, aside yeah. from us, like breaking down during graduation day in right, X-Men yeah. 92. <laughs> so anyway, aside from that, they, uh, so it's just funny. I, I don't know how many other people have actually fallen when they are dreaming they're falling. No, that's it. Um, I mean, I've heard about people like rolling off of their bed, but yeah. you were literally flying. Yeah. So. <laughs> Anyway, Kitty is falling in her dream off like a skyscraper or something after flying. Yeah, she was flying through. It, it looked like New York City. Yeah, she's falling. And then it just, it goes past the point. Because normally when you have these, and this is weird that you, I, I can explain this to you because like, you don't know the experience. But like, usually you're falling and then shortly before the impact, you just wake up in cold sweats. And it's then it's over at least, you know, and then you're just right. on your, this took that like it's almost like final destination where it takes it to like the worst possible extreme besides actually dying and so she's falling but she doesn't wake up or she wakes up while falling and then it even takes it further than what i went through where she just wakes up in the basement below her bedroom the voice actor there did a fantastic job of communicating the terror of that like you could tell like a part of her knew that she actually fell and it wasn't mm -hmm. just like she sleepwalked and then woke up in another room or something. Yeah. 
and then her her parents you know run down because they're hearing her 15 year old daughter scream from the basement she's like i fell and i i fell through the the ceiling and I, I don't know how it happened and stuff. And uh, was it the mother that was like, oh, you're just having a night terror or whatever. And then the dad or, like, no, the, so. it was like, are you sure you're not sleepwalking? Yeah, yeah. Which is fair because yeah. this is another fun thing. In my 20s and part of my early 30s, I was a heavy sleepwalker, which was fun for my roommates. But it's just a different feeling. And then the dad like looks up at the ceiling. He's like, I don't think it was sleepwalking. And you see like the half a pillow and the bed sheets or like comforter are like phased through the, the Well, you, you actually get the quick alert from Cerebro that pops in saying that there's a second detection. They complete the ID, know that it's Kitty. And they give the age that she's from Northbrook. So we know it's a different city than where they are. And then it cuts back and you see the sheets are not just like hanging from the ceiling. They are fused through the floor. Oh, yeah. And everybody freaks the fuck out. (laughs) And and a nice detail that they actually paid attention to in this in evolution that wasn't necessarily something they would do in 92. Like in 92, if there was a computer screen, they'd be like just Ikea furniture or whatever. And, and it was and this, literally a shopping list for Ikea. Right? In this one, it was like, I could tell that they were in Chicago because when the map zoomed in, like I recognized right. the reason, the re- reason, the region or the, the Great Lakes and stuff. But yeah, but that cold open, like I might put up in one of my top 10 best animated cold open things. That was so intriguing. And I know Kitty Pride already, mm-hmm. but I feel like e- even knowing her, it's still a really exciting opening and if you didn't know her that has to, that has to be such like an intriguing thrilling what the fuck just happened and then they cut into the theme song yeah professor calls for the blackbird and it jumps right into the theme song and after the intro picks up on the human cloaked or the skin nightcrawler <laughs> nightcrawler as a skin skin yeah and if you have like, any problem with our phrasing, hit up right. Max Nosleeves, who came up with the not offensive but sounds offensive phrase yeah. being a skin. He's running late to class, which I always love. I know maybe this is just like the old man in me slash 90s kid. I love when they juxtapose like a super powered character with something they should be on top of and not. So like you have like the one character we've met so far that can teleport. And he's, and he's the class. latest to everything. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's like the, the ongoing joke about Barry Allen as the Flash. Like, Barry is the one person who shouldn't be late to anything, but is late to everything. But the principal is waiting at the door to yell at him. And I think, yeah, he, he says, I'm sorry, was it Principal Darkholm? Yep. That's the is, first time we get the, the full acknowledgement on the name. Which, if you, if you weren't already signaled by the animation style that this was a villain, what there was a movie or something that, or a TV show that was like, yeah, this character's name is Dr. Evil Person. You know, I wonder if they're the secret bad guy after all of this. But this is another like trope I kind of loved where we're in a high school setting, so they just take characters we already know and insert them into like normal positions so the principal's the literal villain. <laughs> I mean, it, it's what would later become the chilling adventures of Sabrina where nobody, kno- nobody knows that the principal is actually like the big bad for one of the seasons. Yeah, and... You know, as, as a kid, also that I, was in Buffy too. One of the seasons oh, really? was the, oh, the the principal was the big bad, and I I think like you know as a, a kid, especially as a teenager that hated high school and stuff, that felt relatable in a parallel sense where it's like oh they're just out to get me, you know. Mm-hmm. And this show gave you they're literally out to get you, right? <laughs> and Scott kind of comes to save the day. It's like hey, kid. well before like, Scott saves the day, she notices his watch. Which, obviously, he's self-conscious about because that's how he stays under, you know, the protective watch. But she also mentions her after-school program, which I don't know if we're going to get to this in future episodes, but, like, is that an allusion to her having, like, 
her own group or something along those lines. Oh, yeah, where she's kind of recruiting the villains and stuff. Right. Or the, because we do stuff. get something later in this episode at, at the very end where it's like, oh, she's she is doing some sort of recruitment. So yeah. I, I that was how I interpreted like the after school group is like, you know, you guys aren't the after school special of when shit goes right. You're the special when shit goes wrong. It's the theater kids. Fucking theater kids, man. <laughs> right. They're the ones probably writing these episodes, actually. That's why we always end up in the theater department. Let's, let's the- be real. They're definitely the ones who are on X-Men 97. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So then Scott comes around the corner to save the day. And he's like, hey, kid, teacher sent me to look for you, which is clearly a cop out because no, nobody does that. Like, yeah. Like no, no teacher no actually gives a shit enough to send another student to look for a student. <laughs> Yeah, back in Chicago, Kitty is trying to... I would say, this is so funny. This is is the opposite of what normally happens. She's trying to sneak out of her house to go to school. And her mom's like, where are you going? This is such a weird backwards... Maybe this is on purpose. Interesting juxtaposition of, like, instead of trying to, like, sneak out of school to play hooky, she's like, no, I just want to go to school. And I guess we get more of this character development later where she's kind of, like, almost like the valedictorian type, you know, character. She's good at everything except for the physical activities, basically. Yeah. But yeah, her mom wants her to stay and Kitty gives the like the really valid response where it's not just her being like bratty or petulant. She's like, okay, but then we got to talk about it and none of you want to talk about it. Yeah, that's true. And also, what can they do about it? So I would say the number one thing is you start with a conversation and then you figure out what you can do about it. Yeah, 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 that's true. Because I feel like them being in denial is literally why she was like, come on, like, what yeah. what am I gonna do? Sit here and watch fucking Price is Right with you and not talk? Yeah, was it Price is Right and like one of the Judge shows? Price is Right, Judge Show, and pre Steve Harvey Family Feud. Yeah, and then one of the soap operas, whatever those were, they were on. I, n- I never fell into those. I never watched them. They were just always on. But yeah, so she talks her mom into like letting her go to school, even though she's like, before dad gets here, because he definitely will say no. Like one of the 20,000 reasons why I can't have kids, because I would definitely be the parent to cave to a kid if their reasoning was sound. and Constantly. I would not be able to like stand up to my partner to defend the situation. <laughs> also, I don't know if this was intentional. The mom seemed high to me. <laughs> you know, fair. Yeah, because it zoomed in on her there, face and just lingered a little too long. Just something with the way like she was carrying herself. I really thought she was high as fuck. You know, I actually, like she was self-medicating suburban mom. What's your reaction when you just see your kids betting? phase through the floor and well that's and the thing is they don't it's not even like the phase through like it'd be one thing if you saw it go all the way through but yeah, it's stuck, stuck there like yeah. you you cannot logic that out yeah i i kind of in addition to like what you said about her probably being self-medicated just the <laughs> they still seem shaken which i feel like in a lot of these animated shows everybody gets over things really quickly you know now that i'm old enough to have friends that had kids and stuff and i've been around everybody like man I, I just always think like these kids don't know like how often their parents are like high or drunk while all the shit is going down but then i like realized wait were my my uncles yes. and aunts were they also high while we were that makes so much sense now but you just don't think about it because you're a kid and they don't tell you and so m- maybe it was or wasn't intentional this show but i would believe it if the one of the writers were like yeah we just made it so that mom got like you know like rolled a j that morning to take the edge off things and i, f- I feel like she's more of a pill popper but that's right? just me yeah yeah i, I don't but, i don't see kitty's mom rolling a j yeah but she was coerced into letting her go and then there was probably an argument between kitty's parents after she left but she's so high she doesn't give a fuck yeah yep. and gene and xavier are are talking in the blackbird 
And Jean actually has a really good question. She's like, why is it just me and not everybody else? Xavier's like, because I'm an old bald man and we have to recruit a 15 year old girl. So I'm getting the, so is so, Jean- so his actual phrasing is you're the model Mom. of what a student would yeah. be. Rod's interpretation <laughs> is if I show up by myself, I'm going to look like a pervert. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I think both are valid. I, I, I agree with yeah. that. <laughs> Are we getting the vibe that Jean is more of like a senior or something in high school? She's at least older. At the very least, her and Scott are juniors because in this episode we see Scott driving. Yeah, okay, yeah. I want to get the impression that they're the same age with each other. And so she kind of just like, okay, whatever you're the... She she makes a joke like, I'm missing my midterms, you know, so the thrill of midterms or whatever, which I I guess I'm not even going to try to check that this is the right timing for that. And then that's where Professor Xavier reveals like, well, you go calm her down and get her you know in a good space yeah i'm gonna go look for this kid named lance who was in the foster system too yeah oh i didn't catch that yeah yeah they actually said lance from the foster home okay gotcha yep. and then that that was kind of like well that's a little bit more sound now that there's like a couple people it still doesn't answer gene's question on why like only her but you know again at least if, two if it you're not gonna bring the fuzzy blue kid yeah Scott is probably up Shit's Creek for still blowing up the hot dog stand in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. You want somebody who's the same age as Kitty, so that's why Storm didn't go. And then, I mean, if it's fucking Xavier and Wolverine, I don't I don't think you're going to recruit anybody to go to a, a high right. school off of that. So. <laughs> and so they end up at the front porch of Kitty's house, but she's at school, so it's just her parents. Her dad is actually pretty realistic in the situation i feel like usually we we watch these this this scenario happens with like either jeans being recruited or xavier's recruiting some like whoever our eyes are for this episode and the parents are like you know what we'll let our child decide like no no most parents wouldn't just let some strangers take their kid in the first visit hopefully although let's be real jubilee's foster parents were like we're gonna put her in a program like they were really yeah. ready to get rid of her but yeah, yeah, yeah. other what- parents i completely agree with you yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, though, is like most parents in these shows are just like, go, go. And so this dad is like, what are you doing here? And how do you how do you know our daughter? And, and knows specifics without revealing how he knows them. Yeah. Like, again, I don't think it's an evil Xavier. Yeah. But it's a little more gray Xavier. Yeah. And then Gene is like, I'm sorry. I'm sure you have a lot of questions, but if you just let us inside, we can answer all of them. And then he has the appropriate response. Like, you can answer those questions out here. Yeah, you're not coming to my <laughs> fucking house, you weirdo. And then Xavier's not making it better because he's like, tell us about last night. Yeah. No, no social grace at all. <laughs> None. <laughs> so the parents are just like, yeah, get the fuck off our lawn. Yeah. And Jean has a great comment. She's like, next time, can we just call people so they can hang up on us? <laughs> right. <laughs> It'll be easier. <laughs> Everybody's actually really logical in the show. I, I do like sassy Jean. And maybe it's just because this is Jean as a teenager. So she's in kind of like the less need to give a fuck mode. But yeah. like the Jean in 92 was a little more just like balanced credible adult when the phoenix wasn't making her insane right yeah <laughs> whereas this gene is kind of like i could be a little snide but i'm also your star pupil so you kind of have to fucking deal with it yeah right <laughs> speaking of being her star pupil xavier's like well that didn't work okay go stalk this girl at school yep i was like what is this man doing? <laughs> he's sending these kids on missions i think it just it's a weird it's just a weird context knowing that everybody's in high school i think that's just the the thing that it's not bad it's just like a weird lens think about because in any other scenario it's like okay gene go find this mutant that's you know terrorizing paris or whatever but this is like 
hey, go follow that girl's code. So it's super interesting. And I and I think a part of it where it's a little more of a cognitive dissonance for you is because you were not one of the comic book readers. Because you got to remember, yeah. those of us who, you know, even before X-Men 92, we remember that it was a school. And these were recruited as high school soldiers, effectively. Yeah. Well, so, the, kind of the trope of the 90s was like all the shows were about like child labor and child soldiers, like Power Rangers. You got teenagers and pull them out of school to fight your war in space. Yeah. <laughs> the modern version of the Power Rangers comic point blank calls that out. Oh, nice. Yeah, there's there's a there's a character who calls out Zordon for that. It's pretty incredible. They kind of addressed it, too, in that fan film that was maybe, what, a decade ago, where it was the Dark Power Rangers. And- I don't think I saw that one, actually. It was taken down, I think, by Saban at the time, and then enough internet buzz happened that they... Oh, oh, not Dark Power Rangers as in evil Power Rangers, Dark Power Rangers as in gritty Power Rangers. Yeah, it was like a gritty retelling. Oh, yeah, yeah, I I know the one you're talking about, yeah. And it was all, uh, Power Rangers were like, when they were older, and they were like, we were recruited when we were kids, like, you know what that does? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was like, that's pretty accurate. But then we catch up with Wolverine, he's cleaning his motorcycle, which... Once again, like, it's not that much of, like, a narrative push. It's just, like, a cool way to see Wolverine. And the only thing that tripped me out, though, was the choice of bike. Oh, I didn't Because I picture Wolverine on, like, a Harley. Mm-hmm. This was definitely a more of, like, a Japanese street bike-inspired design. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. It felt like he was on a Honda, not a Harley. A little more sporty, kind of. Yeah. And maybe that was also just another you know aesthetic of the time because we were in that whole like right going into the fast and furious era of the world and such and everything needs to be extreme yeah i I was actually just watching some youtube documentaries about like that whole like y2k into the fruitiger arrow era aesthetic you know where everything was like nature but also shiny bubbles and stuff and so maybe that was because that that is definitely the show that intro has that whole vibe (laughs) things being metallic and shiny yep and this was such an interesting like moment that was it if you didn't know any other context of this, and if it wasn't for the music being brooding, could be romantic. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> he he's like, so Wolverine cleaning his motorcycle. Sabretooth is like driving by, presumably nearby. Well, um, at first I thought it was an audio cue because I thought it was he heard the motorcycle and then yeah. started smelling. But then you do like this massive pullout, and you realize they are miles away from yeah. each other. And he's not even heading towards the mansion. Sabretooth's not heading towards No, the he's mansion. just getting to New York, New York. basically, yeah. like to Westchester. And so Wolverine smells him and says, Sabretooth. And then it cuts over to Sabretooth and he smells and he's like, Wolverine. And that's why I was like, well, that's kind of romantic. But also like, life must suck for those guys if they can smell things miles and miles away. Right. I know that they know each other's scents very well, which is, once again, super romantic. But like, <laughs> that, that that's... I feel like that's a stretch even for the X-Men. I'm not, like, once again, I don't know all the iterations of everybody, but, like, to just be so unintentional, because it wasn't like Wolverine or maybe Sabretooth was keeping a radar out for Wolverine, but Wolverine was definitely not looking for Sabretooth at the moment and still, like, sensed him. Well, and he also did not smell Sabretooth by the corner shop in the last episode, but this definitely seems farther away. What animal can smell the furthest? Apparently, turkey vultures can smell prey from two miles away. Bears have the strongest sense of smell for predators. Some say bears can smell up to 20 miles away. Oh, damn. I guess that kind of fits like the okay. vibe of the wolf. I, I will now accept that answer. Okay, cool. 
Yeah. Well, anyway, so. But also, having a sense of smell that strong must be the worst That's existence tough. on the planet. Yeah. We have a horrible, disgusting society. Yeah. Also, <laughs> like, if anybody's ever been to Times Square or Hollywood Boulevard, you don't want that power. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's. It's so much piss. Right. <laughs> anyway, so after this, like, really kind of cute scene, if you took the music away. <laughs> can you do that, Rod? Can you, can you remake <laughs> the scene with, like, a love song oh. playing under it? Let me put a note somewhere for myself to do that. You're literally going to edit this, so you're going to hear oh, it. Oh, yeah. Hey, Rod, when you're doing this, add a reminder to yourself in your app to, to make that happen. I, so, but leave this in. Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. So then Wolverine decides, he does the, like, the not sailor moon kind of thing but this very like superhero like getting dressed sequence suit up yeah you know it was um, very much like a keaton batman vibe for me yes yeah and also if you take it in the context that i presented with the romantic thing he's like getting all dressed up for Sabretooth, and then he's getting he, ready like, for the big date right yeah and then he drives away <laughs> on his motorcycle and he passes scott and kurt like oh he was off in a, you know, somewhere in a hurry and these kids i would say they're nosy except they're teenagers and Wolverine seems like a really cool dude in this series more than an asshole. So Kurt's like, you want to follow him? They're like, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, let's do it. And then maybe this is more into like what you pointed out in the last episode of Scott just being curious. Like when he went to go look for Toad under the bleachers, he wasn't trying mm -hmm. to be vindictive. He was like, what's going on down there? You know, yeah. like, where's Wolverine going? So they go follow him and they go Nightcrawler, to, they, they go to the garage. garage yeah. And Nightcrawler yeah. points at what looks like a souped up Hummer. Yeah. And says, can we take the X van? That didn't look like a van to me, but, I don't know, maybe missed loss interpretation translation. Right, because when you hear van, you think of like the Punisher's van, which is just like the box car that has the pull aside, like, yeah. you know, the, you know, what predators would use kind of shit. Yeah. yeah. And then Scott was like, and this is the teenager part. He was like, let's take something a little more incognito, which I agree that was less incognito, it was more incognito than the, the souped up Hummer, but it was like a sports car. I don't know cars well enough to know. What, I know it was modeled after a specific one. If Felt like a classic Corvette to me, but yeah. I could be very wrong. Or it was like a like a Mustang Barracuda or some shit like that. But yeah. regardless, it is not a car that doesn't stand out. They were not right. getting in a Honda Civic. They were and, teenagers getting in a sports car. Right. And, which we see in LA all the time, and they yeah. fucking stand out in a heartbeat. Yeah. They're, and they're, yeah, they're made to stand out because like they're usually content creators. So they want to be like in you know or, viral videos and Snapchat or and stuff. kids with rich parents. Let's not yeah. forget them. Yep, that are also trying to be influencers. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like I, then this is the teenager part for me was not only the that part, but like I would think the wild card that Wolverine is. You want to take something that could like sustain battle even if it's on incognito. And they took like the nicest car that you can't even like lean on. You know, wrong. Right and. I, my note initially was they steal Professor Xavier's car, but we found out later that's Scott's car, which doesn't make sense if you're an adult because you're like, we're not going to take this car out of the garage. But if you're a teenager trying to impress Jean Grey, you will take that out as many opportunities as you can. <laughs> also, how does Scott afford, quote unquote, that right. car? Because we know nothing about his family or parents, regardless of what we know from the other series or the comic books. In this iteration, we know nothing about his family. We don't even know if he has a family. So does that mean it got, like, gifted to him for his 16th birthday by Xavier? That's why I kind of got it. was like yeah. these kids at a certain level just get, like, that's part of, like, your room and board. You get a sports car. I mean, I guess if you're yeah. going to risk your life on these fucking suicide missions for this crazy old guy, then sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he got the perfect one because Xavier's just, like, reading his mind in his sleep to figure out his dream car. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs>
it's also red so he because they're like oh, I don't, you can't see anything yeah color change doesn't matter scott doesn't even know part of it's white that's hilarious. so dark and hilarious and then we get the animated transition which actually looked good it was it was finally that era of doing the transition that it didn't look like it was like a cheap button on like what was it an avid editor or something mm-hmm. like that it actually was a solid animated transition was that the x yeah yeah, that was, it was pretty cool. It's like the, and to any youngins out there listening, th- th- this was the era, or this was after the era, but it was still happening. I think early 90s, definitely the 80s, was that whole star wipe transition was like super cliche. And so this was kind of like... To the point where they literally made fun of it in The Simpsons. You're right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or if you watch any of the original Star Wars movies, or any pay homage to it in like the newer ones, but just, where it's literally just like a line that goes across the screen but yeah like this x1 actually kind of like look kind of cool transition to kitty at school and she's basically dealing with like her regina george yeah like, there's just like mean girls there they're just being mean because they're mean <laughs> so trying to avoid spoilers on stuff i did actually look up the the characters they appear in future episodes of the show but huh. they are not known characters by any means. They are essentially just like oh, gotcha. trying to think of like who who an equivalent would be. Like they're like the bully in Saved by the Bell, who is just kind of there, but had no purpose other than being just like the bully in a few episodes. So I kind of, so far we'll see how crowded it gets at the school. But I kind of appreciate so far in the first two episodes that we've watched that they didn't make the school just like all mutants, right? You know, so it it does feel like that. Scott and Gene and Toad are kind of like black sheep. Right. You know, they're trying to hide in there because otherwise it falls into like, what's the joke with like high school musical or Grease or something where it's like, oh, every single person at this school is a trained singing and singer and dancer, you know? Oh, yeah. From not that came from not another teen movie. Not another teen movie. Or like they don't mention it in Cobra Kai, but if you ever watch it by the last episode of each season, the karate version of that where every single student in the high school is like a karate master and there's only usually two Asian kids, which yeah, I know that like not just Asian kids could be good in martial arts and stuff, but it's, this show takes place in Los Angeles. It takes place in Reseda. Oh, okay, yeah. like Not it, just it's, LA, it's, yeah. fucking Reseda. And at a majority white school and everyone is like the, like the mu- Broadway musical singing and dancing martial arts equivalent. So everyone's like master fighter, even characters that you've just seen tangentially throughout the show. Right. Like that kid in the background is like all of a sudden is like clothesline people and throwing people off banisters and stuff. Right. And this is not like, you know, doing Friday Night Lights where it takes place in Texas where it is known to be a football town. Reseda is not known to be a center of martial arts in right. California. <laughs> in fact, it's a it's a big deal in the show that two dojos opened up at the same time to, ri- to rival each other, let alone just exist. But anyway, so I kind of appreciate that in this, even though it could have been really easy at this time to do that. They're like, no, we're just making this a regular high school, and there just happens to be like a weird principal and a couple kids. They're trying their best to blend in right. and, and not make waves. So Kitty is just dealing with. We we kind of pick up through context clues that she's pretty like intelligent, but not good at like gym class or physical education and stuff. And so these girls are just making fun of her for not being good at track and field. They shove her into a locker. Were the lockers at your school big enough that a human could have comfortably? No, not comfortably, but feasibly fit inside of them mine was yeah ours were not okay i know did you have did you have like the half ones that were like they were like half as thick i don't think you could fit somebody's skull through it without like giving them a concussion yeah yeah no so ours was like i mean if you you'd have to be kind of small but a person could 
okay be shoved in there i know that there were other schools in our district that had the half tall ones you know there's one at the bottom and one yeah, on yeah. The top and stuff those are obviously not but i don't know if i we had the like we had full height but skinny oh yeah no i'm not familiar with that 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 seems like less useful though because if you're trying to get books in and out and stuff what good does like a really tall skinny they were garbage <laughs> i mean i went i went i went to a, a private school okay? okay it was garbage we were lucky we had fucking lockers i i think part of it was i went to such a small school like my graduating class was considered one of the larger ones and was like less than 100 kids yeah that's and so there was enough room for enough lockers and so like i one of the things i did like about high school even though i didn't like a lot of it was that our lockers were big enough that I actually could decorate it, you know? Right. So I had I I had the thing where I had like the locker shelf and like the you know cutouts and stuff, and the top part was like snacks and things, and it kind of made sense because I, I know that some of my friends who went to other schools are like, oh, we can literally just I can put my book bag in there. Maybe you you know the best way to explain it? If the book was on its side, mm-hmm. when a book is lengthwise as opposed to widthwise, that was was how it fit. If I tried oh, to geez. turn the book sideways, it would not have fit the other way. That sucks. That's a, yeah. that's a crime. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so she gets she gets tossed in there, and then we see this dude walking down the hallway, just spray painting lockers, and he's an anarchist. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe because I didn't go to a, a public school, I was like, were kids actually doing that in that time frame, or was that just a perpetual trope? Because one kid did it once, and it made the news, and then it was like, that's what our definition of a bully is for the, the rest of you know known human existence. When it happened at our school. It was rare enough that it was a big deal. Right. But stuff like that did happen. I think somebody painted some of the lockers maybe once. Mm-hmm. There was a couple times where people set off fire extinguishers in the hallways, which was a huge deal because that's like a, I think that's a crime, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, because it's like toxic. I, I had a kid light a fire on the stage of our high school, so right. <laughs> my, my my fire people issue was way bigger yeah. than yours. <laughs> well, no, there's the fire extinguisher, because I think it's just like toxic to be in the air. Like in it, you're, yeah, you're not supposed to breathe that shit. <laughs> But I, I remember that because your school used asbestos in their fire extinguishers, probably. Probably, I don't know. Yeah, and and I, I remember like there was all these like pranks, like taking the. We had these stairs that were just like stone slabs over a metal frame, and at one of the senior pranks one year, not my class but the class ahead of me, they had unscrewed the slabs so you couldn't get up and down the stairs and stuff. Good. So it wasn't common, but it happened enough times for me to remember, but also not enough times. It was still like a super big deal when it did happen. I do no, I love know. that this show has become a uh, high school trauma for John and Rod. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if you ever had a kid that was so brazen that he would do it in the middle of broad daylight and also be wearing like a, you know, John Travolta leather jacket, bad boy, right. hair slicked back kind of thing. Because the middle of the day between classes is a little bold because there's there's going to be like teachers and shit in the hallways and people hearing stuff. Like, it wasn't, like, existence stopped in the hallways right. between class. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, spray painting just, like, a line down yeah. the, the the lockers. And Kitty hears it, and she's like, please help. He's yeah. unfazed by it. <laughs> Why would he care? Yeah. You literally just described him as an anarchist, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does help her, but he's just like, oh, that's, he doesn't even think that's odd. He's like, oh, hey, what, do you, what are you doing there? <laughs> so I would uh, not say that that's him helping. Yeah, oh, that's true. Good. <laughs> But he is curious, so he's, like, knocking on the locker and stuff. I, I don't think he can quite tell where the noise is coming from. And because Kitty is, you know, so stressed out, it's that, you know, what we... I'm going to assume is similar. It's the same in this show as other X-Men stuff. It's, like, when you're in that puberty era of your life and you're, like, in high-stress 
times that's, that's when your powers kind of like start activating more yeah like it's so a she, hormonal change is what usually yeah. makes it happen before they're able to control it yeah so she phases through the locker door and kind of like tackles him and yeah. his reaction is cool cool yeah and he has a spray paint on his face he was getting high off of that let's be right yeah be real he, he was, was definitely inhaling the fumes of the spray can that was across his nose Yo, was it, is that just the thing of the of the nineties and two thousands too, or is that huffing with kids huffing? Huffing was totally in the nineties and in two thousands. But is it still happening now, or is just something left? Or people just upgraded to better drugs, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she's still like traumatized by it, but he's like, "That's so cool. Let's hang out," you know. <laughs> and she's like, "No, this is not cool." And he's like, "No, I'm I'm one person that could understand this." He actually and... says, "I get the beauty of it." Yeah, which. It's kind of nice, but also kind of creepy coming from a stranger. And yeah. is this where, I don't think I wrote this down, where he said, like, I could rock your world. And he's basically like, watch this. And he makes the ground shake. So, yeah, which super unsettling because like that has to get it. T- okay. So like the school's abandoned at this point, right? Because like no one's they're running out of the classrooms and stuff. And um, again, this isn't fucking L.A. where people are like, oh, no, it's a fucking right. 2.5 magnitude. Nobody gives a shit. This isn't like, like you said chicago area and it's like that's not where we normally feel that stuff yeah and she has the correct reaction she's like what the fuck (laughs) but then she jumps and calls him a freak which i feel like that's you're you you're not allowed to say that about somebody who also does the same shit you do so yeah yeah she's dealing with everything but she's she's super stressed out by this and i figured out through context clues that this is lance because another mutant of the school and stuff yep he makes an earthquake. I wasn't certain that he was Avalanche at this point because I just want, I didn't want to assume that just the other earthquake mutant was Avalanche. Uh, so let's talk about know. that. So Lance in the show uh-huh. is a combination of two characters. Okay. The traditional Avalanche that you're thinking of who was in X-Men 92 and Richter who is a member of X-Force okay. and yeah. later would be X-Factor in the comics because Avalanche's name in the comics was Dominikos Petrakis. And apologies to any of our Greek listeners if I'm butchering <laughs> the name. But yeah, they essentially Americanized his character and kind of combined the physical aspects of Richter into into this singular character. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Because it, yep. it probably is kind of redundant to have like two basically like earthquake people in the same show. Or, you know, not that they were ever even going to use Richter, but they, I think they wanted to not have people with such... 1960s comic book names like even toad we talked about toad used to be mortimer and like they mm-hmm. they changed names to make them more believable in the the modern era yeah yeah so because uh, even though you... jessica jones although i will say jessica jones is the most comic book name i've ever heard but i've also met three different real life jessica joneses in my oh, life really? so oh, that's yeah that's awesome no. <laughs> their parents were fan- fan- not fan- everybody fan- has the double initial scenario but a- yeah Apparently, a few people had the Jessica Joneses. So Kitty is freaked out. She runs away. We catch up with Kitty, who is late to PE because she was stuck in a locker, which but, I guess, to be fair, is the reason there weren't a whole lot of people in the hallways. But I guess we're assuming that everyone was a PE <laughs> outside. I mean, usually the way that it would work is if, you know, she got shoved in the locker on the way to class and then the, the period started, you know? Yeah. Do you notice that she doesn't stooge on him though? Like there's still like that high school, like rule of like, even if somebody's a piece of shit to you, you still don't call them out on it in front of the teacher. Yeah. Cause it was like, we'll sort it out on our own kind of scenario. Cause she's probably also afraid of like what they're like, there's probably worse repercussions for 
tattling on somebody. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's right that she didn't yeah. say anything, but it was also the like, we'll sort it out ourselves rather than me bringing teachers into it because you're probably going to escalate if I do. And also the teachers in this show are very much how we, you know, teachers in like other teen things around this time or maybe even now where they're, they're not helpful. Like she probably, the teacher probably wouldn't have believed her anyway. Right. And then even in this scenario, she's like, why are you late? You got to go first now. Yeah. It's like, is that how you handle things? Like, yes. Like, <laughs> yes, it is. So she tries to run the long jump and she's not good at it. She is not good at it. She just, she, she doesn't even jump really. She just kind of stumbles into the sand pit. I um, luckily never had to do track and field for PE because I feel like I would have been in a kiddie scenario there of just, oh, I'm just going to like embarrass myself or hurt myself. PE is why I have consistent nosebleeds because like as a kid, I have cocaine muscle busted in my nose because of track and field. <laughs> And probably cocaine. Yeah. Because it was the 90s. It was um, the 90s. <laughs> so, meanwhile, across, kind of across the track, there's these two kids that we see are helping Lance trying to break in through, like, the sky. Actually, I didn't think about this. They're trying to break in through, like, kind of a skylight to the thing. So, maybe they're carrying on the tradition of the mutants. <laughs> no, they're, they're um, going the opposite way. They're trying to go yeah, down in, through the skylights instead of out up through the skylights. And Lance is, like, watching Kitty. So, now yeah. Kitty has... Lance, Jean, and Xavier watching her throughout her day within a 24-hour time period. Lance kind of like gives us the exposition dump. The two people that are with him are like, can't you just use your powers to help us break into the office? He's like, people can't know that we broke in because we're trying to cheat on a test. And if they know we broke in, they'll change the answers. And and not just cheat on the test. They want to steal all the questions and then sell it. Sell, yeah. Yeah, they're and, literally thinking like the plan from the perfect score at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. And no. he, he was like, you know, leave... Leave that up to me. You go find the customers. And he's like, but I do know somebody that could help us. And then he, you follow his like eyeline out to Kitty, and because he saw her face through the locker. And then back at the the PE class, the Mean Girls are getting ready. One of the Mean Girls is getting ready to do the long jump. The Kitty just like failed at. You get the impression that she would have succeeded, that- or at least done something satisfactory. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the middle of her jump avalanche or i guess he's just lance at this point i didn't know what to expect i thought he was gonna make an earthquake or whatever but he like controls the sand and stuff it was like a weird pop-up geyser thing yeah yeah so then like my note here was lance attempts homicide it looked (laughs) like he was trying to kill her i hate it when you say stuff like that because you're right (laughs) and so kitty's freaked out because this is like the 17th weird thing that's happened that day nobody else is phased by it she runs away and then she physically bumps into Jean. Right. Jean doesn't do too much to try to... She doesn't make a scene. Right. She, she just kind of lets her go. And then, as we alluded to earlier, Kitty escapes to the theater department. Yep. <laughs> Fucking theater kids. While, while I was watching this, I was like, why did why, why do the kids always go to the theater department to have their solace moment? I was like, it's probably the theater kids that are writing these shows. You know, most of these screenwriters are in Hollywood, and there probably aren't a whole lot of like kids who are really into physics that are writing screenplays these days, right? And so, like, maybe one. Yeah, but it makes sense why there's like a lot of teen dramas and stuff when they have their like self-affirming moment. They're out on stage at a theater or something in school. So Kitty's there, and because she's she's like in this extended state of distress, so she's like phasing through like the props on the stage and stuff. well she she kicks the table and then like a bowl with fruit pops up mm-hmm. and she tries to catch it and it just like phases right through her hands there's a mask behind her on the wall that kind of is a little reminiscent of like the jim carrey mask 
Well, be- before that, she actually, like, for a quick second, pauses. She concentrates, and it's the first time she feels like she has any sort of control, and she puts her hand through the bowl on purpose for the first time. Still kind of waiting for one of these X-Men things to show, like, Kitty not doing it well the first time and injuring herself. Because, not that I want to see it necessarily, but it feels like it's an inevitability, because we just saw, like, the bed sheets and stuff that didn't make it all the way through. Right. Like, what happens when the panic attack doesn't last the amount of time she needs to face or something. And like, you know, I don't know, she cuts something or like, you know, loses a finger or whatever, because I mean, the, perfect in, control over it. in the comics, especially with the modern Krakoan era, like Kitty goes into full badass mode and will like phase her hand and through somebody's chest. And is like, if I phase back in everything I'm touching, just splats out effectively. Yeah, so that's awesome. that's a, like, that's a like I'm going to fry your brain and you can't do shit about it. Yeah, that's, a, that's like a Mortal Kombat movie. I would love to see that. <laughs> too, bad, too bad it's the DC license and not the Marvel license there. Right. There's so many rumors of Ed Boon trying to make something work out with Marvel, but I cannot see Disney allowing any of those characters having fatalities done on them, even if that did work out. Nope. Even DC didn't really allow it. They didn't. They were like, we can have them in the fighting game, but we can't have these fatalities happen. Yeah, what was it? A brutality or something like that? Was Some, yeah. I mean, that bullshit? Were, it was just like they get knocked over or something. I was like, yeah. this is not Mortal Kombat anymore. <laughs> Jean catches up with her in there as Kitty's like holding this mask. And yep. I feel like the whole point of Kitty grabbing the mask was so that Jean could literally tell her to like put her mask down. Right. Or take off her mask. I was like, okay, we're just going on the nose here. Well, <laughs> and Jean gives the speech that we've heard, you know, throughout other X-Men stories all the time of like, you know, you have this wonderful new gift. And then, you know, Kitty's response is, not a gift this is just a curse and that's the most like high school angsty phrase because we've all been there and it's like high school is hard enough just being normal it's like i can't imagine what that shit was like you know to the you know nth degree for for kitty so oh and i forgot to mention this earlier but in the opening scene what not the opening the opening scene after the credits yeah opening title or whatever when nightcrawler is like late to class whatever song that is is playing in the background is like a good representation of like that kind of like emo-ish punk at the time you're like i don't even know what the singer was singing lyrically but it my head is filling in like i don't even like school my parents don't understand you're like that it's just like the vibe you get it was like that whiny simple plan type shit yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) And so this is kind of like an extension of that moment. And is this where she says, like, it's tough enough being... A- yeah, that's where she says it's hard enough yeah. being normal. And so and it's like, fair. I didn't have mutant powers in high school, and I fucking hated it. Right. So, Like I, I said, this, this show is <laughs> high school trauma for JC and Rod. Right. <laughs> they have that conversation, and Jean's like, now watch. And she, like, levitates the mask out of her hands and hangs it back up on the wall, and that doesn't help. Right. Kitty's more freaked out than ever. Well, and then we talk about Professor X not understanding social cues. Then Jean doesn't understand social cues because she fucking says, oh, well, you don't trust me. I know because I can read your thoughts. Yeah, holy shit. And that's that's the tipping point for Kitty. She's like, oh, my God, no. She's like, nopes out of there. She runs out and Lance catches up with her. And he's, even if he's supposed to be a villain, he actually, I feel like he understands humans because his whole thing is he's just like, he appeals to her and it's like nice to her but that could also be him being a manipulator too well that's what i mean though like he at least he knows that even if he's using it for the wrong reason which is is just funny that the bad guy has that skill and the good guy so far haven't exhibited that yet except maybe wolverine but we don't even really see enough of him to know he's just he's just not been an asshole yet yeah and he basically says to gene that he's the only one that kitty needs and that's where it falls into that total like 
gaslighting manipulator personality. Yeah, so Lance, you know, he's he's doing a good job of actually like relating to Kitty, which I feel like at this age, especially any time in life, but especially at this age, you're just looking for someone that can connect with you about how like weird this time in your life is. I hated it when people told me that when I was that age, but now that I'm like far out of that age, I understand that. It's yeah. like it's really true. It's like you're just you're somehow you're you're trying to find this balance of fitting in but also being your own person is like a weird in between. Yeah. And Lance kind of gets it. Yeah, I mean he basically says that he understands how she feels. She gets defensive being like, "Oh, what? Did you read my fucking mind too?" And he's like, "No, I I went through it myself." Yeah. Which is actually for her fair question at this point cuz she's like she's watched Sand try to kill Regina George and like Earthquake Man and <laughs> she doesn't even know about the strangers that appeared at her house to try to get her parents. No, she's completely <laughs> unaware of this because this was well into the you know the pre-cell phone era of, like, if you had a cell phone in high school, it was instantly confiscated at this point. Yeah. Because they thought all of us who had phones were drug dealers. That's why. Right, yeah. No. But yeah, and at that point, there is contact between Professor and Gene and is basically like, yeah, you need to, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little worried about Lance and you gotta stick to it or we may lose her and then we see he's at the top of a set of stairs yeah because he's like we we, we have to overcome our obstacles and like some are more annoying than others or yes. what was the phrasing there yeah that was that was pretty much it like you yeah. know it, what it, i i felt like there was an intention that wasn't fully communicated there for that scene to happen i just didn't know where he was yeah because my note here was like xavier airs his grievances about ada non-compliance yeah but it doesn't really come back up again. It is a good point to make. You know, but I just I just didn't have an understanding of where he was during that day because he's like, okay, cool. I'll worry about Lance. You worry about Kitty. And then Lance is at the school with Kitty. And then he's yeah. at a building with a high, like, like a nasty high staircase that he can't go down. He just, like, lied to Jean to get her there. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, that, was, <laughs> that, that was a weird one. Like, you know, obviously, you know, Saturday morning cartoon role, you give concessions and stuff like that. But that yeah. was, like... Wait, what? Kurt and Scott find Wolverine just in time for Wolverine to start his fight with Sabretooth. Well, they lose him at first, and then then they are able to to see him. And that's where we find out that's actually Scott's car because like Nightcrawler like, leans on it or something, and Scott's like, "Hey, that it's smudge proof, not you know, not dent proof." Yeah. And yep. I'm like, you fucking took your sports car out here, okay? And stupid teenagers, man. I was like, teenagers, man. And okay, well, maybe if you don't want this car to get damaged, you drive it away from the two like ancient feral figures. This is one of those. Th- I've been meaning to say this is the last episode of this one. This show is, even though we talk a lot about it, like we, these are longer than our normal episodes. The there's actually, there's not a whole lot story wise happening. You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fighting, which I think was the mo at the time. It's like I, really spectacular fights. And stuff. To be fair, we're filling it with our own generational trauma. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's a lot of tangents. But this was one of those scenes where it was like a really spectacular fight. But I can't really comment on a whole lot that like furthered the story more than like Sabretooth and Wolverine are also enemies in this. But there were there were there were two things that did stand out in it. First was we've heard in 92 Sabretooth called Wolverine runt. That is consistent Mm -hmm. between the two shows. Wolverine called Sabretooth pops in this one specifically. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. So I, I mean, I guess that gives the impression that, like, you know that one of them is older than the other one to an yeah. extent. And then they, they go into their fight. The bike lands right <laughs> through Scott's car. And then they start, like, throwing cars through the parking garage and shit like that. It's a stronger version of Sabretooth. Like, 
92 Sabretooth was throwing cars in the air. He's throwing cars so hard, they are going through planes of cement. And I also think those are stronger cars, too, because I don't think physics works like that. Yeah, I, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think cars can pierce cement, but... Especially cars that, like, that they, it's not like they were, like, on fire or anything. Right. They were just, like, they just, weren't even started. They yeah, were they were car. blunt weapons. <laughs> but then the, the other part that does further the story of, of these two is they mentioned that they're destined, that one essentially needs to take out the other. And Wolverine calls out Sabretooth. He's like, oh, I didn't think you believed that kind of crap. Oh, I didn't pick up on that either. Yeah, but it was... It was, story. It, was a, it was a little bit different than the other versions of Sabretooth that we've heard in the past, where it's more like Wolverine wants revenge because Sabretooth has done him wrong or killed people and stuff like that. But this is the, like, I'm hunting you because there's some prophecy or some shit interesting yeah, so yeah. there's actually a little mystery there for us yeah like genuine because we don't know how this works out yeah <laughs> or if it ever does work out do we know if this series ends you mean like with a formal series finale yeah didn't look that up well we'll find out together then all nope. of us. so then the two next notes i have are cyclops shoots because Sabretooth has pinned wolverine behind a car and then nightcrawler sucks oh yeah <laughs> yeah because like wolverine if he was like a normal person would have just been cut in half by this point because he's pinned against like a cement wall right what did nightcrawler not do he he just teleported and tried to punch Sabretooth, but he's still That's a weak right. teenager so yeah. his punches do nothing he just got swatted away yeah and then cyclops just blasted him and actually saved wolverine but you know wolverine makes the save on nightcrawler they end up falling into a elevator and Sabretooth gives the like, oh, well, this is just the start of this shit. Bye. And they don't right. follow him, which is consistent it's across all X-Men cartoons, apparently. Yeah, right. And actually, this is kind of, you know, a little tangent to the ending of the last episode with Magneto. Like, we're just getting started. So yep. I guess I'm kind of getting the vibe that we're just introducing. There's bi a build going on. Yeah. And we don't know if they're connected or not. Or yep. it, it look, it feels like to me so far that these are all like separate incidents. Right. So far, at least. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then we get the first time of seeing animosity between Wolverine and Scott, where he's basically like, don't fight my battles. I don't I I won't fight yours. You don't fight mine. So that, it, we're seeing a little bit of asshole Wolverine come out, but also like also fucking stupid teenager put him like he didn't yeah. help. Yeah. And have kids follow you to a fight. He's like, I don't want to explain to Xavier why you died. Yeah. I don't want to explain <laughs> why the blue kid got crushed. Yeah, he was. He's been here for two days. Yeah, he's been here for two days, and he can't throw a punch. Apparently, <laughs> that's why and Nightcrawler got a sword in the comics because he couldn't fucking yeah. punch. <laughs> and Kitty does meet up with Lance after school, like he suggested. Opens up to him. They had kind of. If you didn't know that he had ulterior motives, Lance actually feels like a good guy at this point because they're connecting. But then yeah, telling her to embrace it in the first way is to like go through that wall and she's not questioning any of it as well as to say like he, he spins it in like kind of a manipulative way where he's like then you can start by breaking into this office mm -hmm. but he, he, he phrases it in a way that just sounds like not as nefarious no it's like stepping through a door kind of scenario not a yeah. we're gonna commit some crime right it's kind of like i think in college there was a lab that had a projector that me and like 10 of us yep. sneak into every night and use the projector to watch movies. Mm. And it's not really, I mean, we could get in trouble for it, but we, we weren't doing it. We weren't like stealing chemicals or like, you know, doing. Yeah, you weren't like making bombs or anything. Yeah, we were just like going in there to watch movies. And so if we got in trouble, that'd be one thing. So this felt like one of those things like, you want to help us like sneak through the window? Right. You know, and 
things and she's just when she phases through into the room she's like kind of giggling like oh this is the first time i've ever done anything bad you know? right yeah she opens the door and lets him in and he immediately like runs to the computer yeah and she's like wait what are you what are you doing and i guess i i guess it's still early enough in the 2000s that they're storing information on three and a half inch floppy disks i actually thought it was a zip disk because of the shape of it oh like it was, it, it 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 looked different enough. Like it was like okay. a little bit thicker. So thicker. what our generation had for like three years with zip disks, that's what it looked yeah. like to me. But you notice when it popped out, the slide was on the wrong side of it. It was on the part oh, you would gosh. grab as a part as opposed to that's the right, other yeah, side backwards. Yeah. Then she, but then she, levels better than the CD-ROM from the Spider-Man cartoon. Spider-Man, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's in like the plastic case or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And then then she kind of has like moral qualms about it. she's like wait this whole thing is about cheating her parents have also arrived simultaneously right as xavier's there and they're like she hasn't done this before and it's like yeah she also hasn't phased through floors before either she's right. having a rough 48 hours <laughs> it was interesting because this is something that you only know if you're the audience watching the show lance is like it doesn't matter if we cheat this is just a system to keep us down mm-hmm. you know we're just trying to level the playing field yeah evening the score if this was not a mutant high school that is not a morally correct perspective. But since Mystique is their principal... Nope, she's not their principal. This is a different school. Oh, that's right. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> Take all that away. I was I, I, I forgot they were a different high school. Yeah, okay, no, remember, this is, this is not Bayville. This is Chicago, yeah. Yep. Okay, so she, he's still wrong. <laughs> wait, wait. This, this whole, like, kerfuffle's happening. Lance starts, like, another earthquake. And... My note here is Jean is taking way too long to intervene. Kitty, at that point, wants out. And there's the whole parents walking into the room and everybody is kind of just like in this like awkward position. And Lance does the like the bad stereotype, like grab by the wrist scenario. The bookcase just drops on Kitty's dad. (laughs) He's he's got a broken leg at this point. Yeah, something's not (laughs) going But yeah, so at that point, then Lance starts to like, oh, I need to get the fuck out of here, so I'm going to blast a hole in the wall, and does it with kind of like reckless abandon. The room starts to rumble. Kitty's dad gives the like the heartfelt like, sorry, I'm not perfect, I'm learning. You know, Gene is there. Which is a really progressive speech for like, essentially the late 90s. Yeah. Come from parents, like, hey, I'm learning, you know, you're different, and I didn't know how this works. Right. At that point, Lance just kind of like, makes everything way worse and way bigger and you know as as stuff starts crumbling around them gene is trying to like hold the room up around them and basically said like you know you talked about this being a gift or a curse if you go with lance it is going to become a curse the parents start begging and then that's when kitty actually with her powers phases out of lance's grasp but the hat even though he knew the power that had to freak him out right if you're holding someone's hand or grabbing someone's wrist or hand, and then they just like. Whoosh. I don't know. I, I I feel like from an outsider's perspective, sure, but like the dude could literally make earthquakes with his hands. So, which I haven't mentioned so far, but I I both loved and hated the way they showed him using his powers, where his like eyes rolled back in the back of his head. Because mm-hmm. I liked it that it showed that there's effort. Because there's a lot of times when there's even in the X Men shows. The only way we see that there's effort is like when Storm passes out afterwards or something. Yeah. But during the moment, we have to like rely on their vo- vocal delivery of like yelling and stuff. Right. This is when it kind of showed like the physicality of like making that happen. But I hated it because the, it looked like he was like 
constipated or something, you know? And Again, say that, like, always forever waiting to see how you're going to finish sentences. Right? <laughs> and it's not like a knock on the animators or something. I think it's just like me thinking like high school kids yeah. or whatever, you know? It was a, at the end of it, I, I, I net liked it more than anything. I was just like, ooh, is this, is how it looks like when he poops? We're never going to do a video show, Rod, I swear to God. Okay. <laughs> um, at that point when the phase out happens, Lance just keeps making the rumbling get worse and the ceiling just straight up collapses onto Kitty. So from yeah. Lance's perspective, he murdered her. And her parents watched their daughter die because Jean is keeping the parents safe. And so they're just horrified mm-hmm. <laughs> watching this pile of rubble over their daughter, the 15-year-old daughter. And all of the building is piling up on top of them, too. And she's like, this yeah. sucks. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot happening. Like, not only has Kitty had a rough 48 hours, yeah. parents are... Um, Actually, this is only 24 hours, not even it's 48 right, hours. Yeah. yeah, It's like the night before. But yeah, Xavier kind of like phones in to Jean and is like, let me help you. And then we get the reveal that, you know, we, I don't think anybody was expecting them to kill Kitty because she's yeah, in the right. opening credits. She phases through, they have a hug, and Jean is like, can we get the fuck out of here, right. baby? I'm not Alpha Jean yet. Yeah. Omega. <laughs> Omega, okay. <laughs> yeah. Omega levels the strongest. It's like, I'm not, I'm not Phoenix Jean yet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we kind of get the, you know, the the understanding from Kitty that she feels comfortable enough to phase three other people through the rocks with with her, which is a lot of that's a big learning curve for the the last like day. I just had to accept that because she hadn't exhibited any evidence before that 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 would work. Right. But, you know, sure, let's go for it. It's a cartoon. And they make it out and they have their like full house moment where they decide, you know, it is better if Kitty goes with Xavier and and stuff because Xavier has earned the parents' trust at this point. There was some nice kind of throwaway lines in there that made the thing less rushed. Where like I think the dad even said like we have a few things to talk about. Yeah, that was that was the line that stood out to me is we have some things we should discuss or something along those lines. And it's like yeah, you're not going to just get in a plane with these people (laughs) tomorrow morning or tonight. But it's like no, like let's actually talk this out like adults. Because I feel like in other shows, including the animated series, it's just been like, all right, well, you got to say 92 because they're 92. all the animated yeah, series. 92 animated series. She, she would just walk on the Well, animated 92 animated series. They, she just would have said no. But like, in yeah. other similar shows, they've just been like, OK, let's go. And then just walk on the ship right there. But yeah, his dad was like, yeah, we'll work, we'll work some stuff out. Then like it kind of like pans over up like the hill like across the way. Lance is getting away and Principal Dark. No. Yeah, oh, yeah, we see Princess. Of Pri- okay, so this is why I got confused. So Principal Darkholm shows up at the school. She shows up at the school, not because she's the principal yeah. there. Yes, and she recruits Lance, which you know my note here is Mystique recruits Avalanche, which is interesting. And I don't know enough about comics to know if this is just like a you know a trope or a thing that happens all the time. But it's in another show where Mystique has Avalanche as one of her henchmen, you know, there are different iterations of like the Brotherhood and the Mutant Liberation Front and all that kind of stuff. I don't remember that off the top of my head, actually. Marvel Avalanche. Avalanche's story before Mystique recruits him for the second iteration of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So yes, that was he's part that, of the Brotherhood. That is something that is common enough and that's where we leave that episode is lance is going with mystique and she specifically calls him her avalanche so that was a confirmation for me it's like okay so i wasn't just i wasn't wrong in assuming that the earthquake guy was avalanche <laughs> yes you were you were accurate in that but I, now i'm i'm looking forward to seeing the next episode because and this is not a spoiler because we don't know we haven't watched it yet 
a surprise of Lance like transferring to the high school in New York? I mean, I um, feel like inevitably that's what it has to be because yeah. of of Raven's appearance. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the you know Kitty is going to show up to her first day in the new high school and be like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" And that has to that has to be interesting. They like I feel like this show so far has shown that they're writing a little smarter than just like a normal cartoon where like you know everyone just accepts anything that happens right there has to be like some level of conflict outside of even the mutant stuff like what you you bullied me back in chicago and you followed me to new york like this is weird right it's it's, it definitely has like some of those like teen movie vibes there's going to be awkward moments but i also feel like people are going to like keep their mouth shut and not say certain things and stuff like that that is that that is the end of the episode (laughs) And, a, and we we just unfortunately because there is not the same you know two books written about the production of this show there are way fewer references for me to pull from like various wikis and fandoms and stuff like that so yeah i would actually want to invite if you're if you were a fan of the show or are a fan of the show and know like you know like little like kind of granular details of stuff or maybe even some like urban legends or you know the references that are more direct yeah leave comments either on the episode if you can do that when you're listening or on one of the posts about this episode and stuff because yeah. just like that, we, that could be our source yeah we will we will absolutely about. shout you out you know i i want to say the first series we did that with you know a handful of people that if we fucked something up we would mm-hmm. correct it yeah like on the amazing or on the spider-man episode we said that gladiator had like punched rogue over an ocean and that was just a slip up. We, you know, it was Juggernaut who got punched over the ocean. Right. But, you know, always, always comment and let us know when we, we fuck something up because that's a thing we do. Like you said, especially because we don't have the books about this. So people who actually like watch the show when it happened or like just know more of the lore and stuff, this, this is where we can, you can share it. So, yeah. Cool. Any closing thoughts on it? No. I mean, I, I, I think we already alluded to it, but I kind of like that it's a slow burn of introductions of characters one hero and one villain introduced in the last episode between Nightcrawler and Toad. We got one more with Kitty and Avalanche in this episode. So the pacing is very different than than X-Men 92. And not that one is better or worse than the other. It's the focus isn't the X-Men as a team. It's a little more of like getting to know the individual first. I know I've poked fun at a couple things in this episode in the last one, but there's there's not really a lot of stuff to make fun of as far as like cartoon you know animation there like, uh, literally there was one coloring glitch where the side of scott's head it just it, instead of the brown like sideburn area it was just like it almost looked like he had the the mop style haircut because the sideburn okay. was skin colored but like yeah i'm like super anal about spotting this so yeah <laughs> yeah but I was even just thinking just story-wise and stuff. Like, even though there's a couple of things I made fun of, like, I feel like there's a lot less of, like, sure, why not, you know, moments. It was, like, stuff kind of, like, tracked. Like, these feel like teenagers, you know, yeah. arguing and stuff. And, like, I mentioned at the beginning of this, this so far has probably been my favorite cold opening of, like, just all the X-Men stuff. Because it's just, it was terrifying and super intriguing. Right. So, so far, strong you know, opening two episodes and stuff. So actually genuinely looking forward to what's happening in the show. Well, good. Cause I think we have like 45 total know, right? or 50 episodes to get through on this one. So the next year of our lives, Rod with obviously X-Men 97 interrupting, but yeah. Yeah. Let's hope, let's hope the show actually ends. We don't know that yet, but we're going to find out together. Feel like it would, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. 
Thanks for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them in the comments for either the YouTube upload or official Instagram post about this episode. And like we mentioned, if you know any trivia or production notes, let us know there. If you like what you heard, we appreciate a rating on the podcast app you're choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and CastBox. And we are right on the money because my cat just woke up. So Perfect. When Lucy <laughs> is over it, we end our recording. <laughs> <laughs>